Lego. Lego. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Back to Brick podcast. I'm your host Garrett and uh today we have another special designer interview guest. Deborah, I want to, you know, thank you for coming on the Back to Brick podcast. Uh how are you today? I'm fine, thank you, and thanks for having me. Uh it's it's a pleasure to have you on the show. Could you uh tell us just a little bit about yourself? Give us a little bit of your background. Well, I'm a retired teacher, uh, elementary school teacher uh, who uh, taught quite a variety of subjects, I guess you could say, but mostly kindergarten, and um, live in Canada, Ottawa, and have been retired for quite a while. So basically, I have a lot more time to Lego, but I'm not <laughs> Legoing as much <laughs> as I used to. <laughs> Usually when you get way more time, free time, you tend to spend it doing other things. So uh we travel a lot, so I'm away from my brick way more than I want to be, but it gives me a lot of inspiration for my building. Been in the community for a long time. <laughs> One of the old schoolers. <laughs> and that's great because I would definitely love to hear about like how you got into it and your your history because you I mean, you grew up pretty much at the beginning when Lego became popular. First, though, uh, I always start with this question. Some people have sig figs or signature uh, minifigures. And, you know, with the billions of different minifigures out there, um, if you could pick one to, you know, represent yourself uh, with any design or any uh, special utility or tools, what would you choose? Well, uh, <laughs> this won't be a very popular answer, but I'm really not into minifigures. I really, I throw them in a bin. I take out their hair and accessories and throw them somewhere else. Their legs are apart from their torsos. However, uh, I did do work in 2011 for the original Lego Ideas book, and I had to create a sig fig for the book, my biography pages. And they were very excited about this DK books, and they thought this was a great idea, but they didn't really know I couldn't care less. I did create a sig fig. I, ha I had to, and dark red is my favorite color. I wear a lot of dark red and tan. So I made a dark red torso and a tan skirt from Technic Lift Arms, one by twos, and I had a yellow flex tube legs and dark red hands for my high heels because I do like to wear um, this kind of clothing and it was an illegal build so they only photographed the torso up but I gave myself <laughs> light 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 beigeish brown hair and glasses so it, it did look a little bit like me but I was nowhere near as thrilled as they seemed to be. So unfortunately, <laughs> uh, minifigures are not my thing. However, minifigure accessories are a different story. I use them for uh, a lot of, um, well, greebling and fine details. Hands, arms, legs make a lot of interesting design elements. So uh, I, I certainly mine them for their worth, but don't use them in my builds unless I have to. I had to put a few mm -hmm. in the Lego Ideas book. Um, I have had them in certain builds because they lend the build better, but they're not something I, I look to put in. With that in your utility or tool pieces and, you know, pretty much tearing apart and cannibalizing the minifigure for its parts, do you have any particular part or parts that you really enjoy using in your builds? Oh, uh, in general, not minifigure? Uh, definitely. I'm very much, um, well, I, I call myself a modelist more than, than a Lego mock builder because 
for me, it's it's about modelism. And so tiles, uh, I don't have very many studs in my builds at all visible. Uh, I go for a lot of detail. And so um, I can't get enough tiles. And I only want studs showing for rough terrain. So for grass or rock, mm -hmm. uh, gravel, that kind of thing. So really tiles, um, any tile. And the more tiles they put out, the better. And they're doing a very good job of it lately. I must admit. So, um, yeah, I, I lean towards the smaller pieces. Uh, I have a drawer called Small Stuff. So basically it's all sorted little little pieces that when I'm looking to make furniture, I'm looking for the tiniest possible appendage or something, then I'll look in there. I also agree. Tiles are great because it, it just makes it more uh, almost a real style instead of, you know, the stud style. Because there are, I mean, different styles of building, uh, and some people like to have the studs visible, but I'm also of the thought that I like having that s smooth look to it. There is a criticism within the community that it's not Lego-y enough, that it doesn't look enough like a Lego model, but that's never anything I've aspired it to. It's, it's certainly not been, I don't want it to be particularly playable or that a child would be attracted to pull it apart and do something with it. I am modeling as far as I'm concerned with Lego. So the more realistic looking, the better. I, I agree. I, I think it does, you know, there's always people that are going to be critics of either styling. And that's part of being Lego is you can do almost anything in the styles yeah. that you would like to do. Definitely. It shouldn't be anybody telling you what to do and what not to do. Right. And so let's let's get to your the history of you and Lego. Do you when did you start building with Lego? Well, of course, as a kid, but that's that's a long time ago, more than fifty <laughs> years ago. Uh, so as a kid, uh, I discovered it visiting a friend's house and family friend, and we were there for the weekend, and they had Lego pulled it out, and I remember spending hours on the porch with it. Um, they couldn't drag me away, but I'm a family of four girls, and back in the 60s, uh, whatever whatever you had, had to fit all four kids. So we didn't have any Lego at home very much. We bought a couple of sets, but of course, uh, not enough to keep... Oh, I mean, I built architecture, I built houses, I built what I could. I remember they gave me Barbies, and all I did was build her furniture with my Lego, and... Um, then uh, fast forward another well, 30 some odd years into my 40s and I was buying for nieces and nephews so that I could go to their house and build with their Lego. And then that's when it uh, the light bulb came on that I could buy this for myself. I had enough <laughs> income to put this as a new hobby. And so I started buying in two, actually in 2000. I think I bought my first Lego for myself and it's been 20 years of stop. So um uh, lots of buying, lots of building, and uh, the, building the community too, or helping to build the community. The community was was starting to be established in 2000, but I lurked for about four years. I was a bit nervous about joining this group. And uh, what what made you nervous about joining? Oh, I wasn't a joiner. I was a very much a, a loner, and clubs and things weren't my my thing. And uh, so I was very happy to be building at home by myself. But I I lurked on Lugnet for a long time, and I discovered there was a group here in Ottawa. And I thought, oh, what have I got to lose? Let's find out what they do. I checked out the web page, which at the time was extremely static. There were trains and robots and spaceships, and I thought, oh, that's not a place for me. I don't do any of those things. 
Finally, I found a builder here in Ottawa who was female and was into architecture. And I asked her if she was interested in trying out a club meeting. So we went together. She didn't last very long. It wasn't her thing. But I got hooked immediately and found like-minded people and spent hours uh, on end talking about all things Lego. And uh, yeah, that was the beginning of the end. (laughs) Now, at those meetings, how many people would you say would come? Oh, we were small at the time. It was very intimate. We were in people's basements and Lego rooms. We were about 14 or 15, which was really a a huge difference from now. Our group is about 75 or 80, and and there's no, the intimacy is gone, but you, you, we're hanging out now. We have to rent rooms, and so we don't get to see each other's Lego rooms. So at 14, 15, people would bring mocks. We would, we would plan our shows. It was, it was really the beginning of of the community and it was nice to to see it burgeoning like that it was really um so very different and i was the first female in the group i don't like to point out those those kinds of stats but the group was only about two and a half years old three years old when i found them and um when they mentioned that i did when i mentioned that i did architecture and and housing they thought that was great i could build things for their train layouts that's that's not quite what i had in mind (laughs) (laughs) i'm not here to build onto yours i'm here to build mine maybe you can join mine uh well well, the first i the first meeting i brought a large mock it was fairly big and it was a chateau and the scale is nowhere near a train layout and i thought it was pretty obvious from my first mock that i brought that that wasn't quite my thing I wasn't going to be building 16 by 16 stud houses so that your train could run around it. They fit me into the, the layout, but it took a lot of uh, putting me far, far away. So my large houses didn't look out of scale with their tiny grain silos. <laughs> it didn't work really well. So then I went rogue and I, uh, I just asked for mock space beside the train layout so I could just display whatever I was building. You kind of build out your own little niche or section, not only just, you know, as display, but now in that in that lug. Yeah, um, they they sort of know. And and some some of my houses are sort of I don't want to say opulent, but some of them are larger, nicer looking homes. So they trying to use my imagination and the design ethic, the aesthetic. But um, having a train running right in front of you. <laughs> Your really nice, you know, five bedroom house. Not not quite what I wanted. So, yeah, I did. I had to beg, borrow, and ask for real estate just a little bit apart from there. I did participate in about two or three layouts, but I think it pretty soon became apparent that that's not what I wanted, and I didn't think it was uh-huh. a good thing for their layout either. In that process, you've you're still kind of a founding member. How have you seen this lug grow over the years? I wouldn't call myself a founding member. The three people who worked hard to put it together, they were going well before I joined. But um, I think there was a, a lot of factors. The advent, well, increased uh, internet usage, and then Lugnet grew into uh, grew to die, and then Flickr. But um, I became president and. Uh, became more active at incorporating, just welcoming new people because for a long while our group was not necessarily uh, getting new people to join. We weren't forming basically regular meeting schedules and things where we could invite people. We we were pretty ad hoc for a while. So I don't know if I was responsible for partly getting us a little bit bigger, but 
that's not necessarily a good thing because now we're we're quite large and and I really miss those old days of sitting around yakking with just you know ten other people or twelve other people. That's a huge and and seeing people's Lego rooms. We can't even do that now. It's it's well, especially with COVID. But lately we've been eating in restaurants or renting community rooms. It's a different feel, and you don't get to know mm-hmm. everybody. Yeah, quite a different feel. The shows have changed too, where you'd be spending the whole weekend and everybody from the sh- because they were so new to us, everybody would build something and you move 14 15 people sitting in the pit of the train layout and, and you know really bonding over lego whereas now people come and go they sign up for a shift you hardly see them i'm not faulting them it's just the way it, it's it's evolved to the train shows and the the hobby shows that we're doing if we can find a show to do but um you're just connecting a little differently. Do you almost have to create like a uh, invite only style to uh, have those smaller groups again? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it can get a little clicky that way. And uh, mm-hmm. it's not to say that we haven't. I mean, two or three of us with really common interests have, have gathered in, in each other's Lego rooms and and done things or, you know, just sat together for a chat and a drink or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's not the same vibe and we're never going to go back to that size it's never going to happen so right. it's, it is what it is and it it's brought other things we, we you know can create bigger layouts although i have also seen the afall world change and the onset of modular buildings has certainly changed the layout because back before modular buildings everybody had to create from scratch now we have mildly modeled or altered modular buildings and and some scratch building but it just makes it easier for everybody to participate but we're lacking perhaps as much original content as we used to have back in the olden days <laughs> and you're i mean being at the beginning of like an AFOL community you saw the building of everything and now i mean even as you said, it started in the 2000s or in 2000 it's been 20 years so people are like oh we should make a movie theater well, somebody already made it, so I can either use theirs or uh, kind of adapt one instead of rebuild from the ground up. You don't see that, uh, f- like you said, full creativity as much. Well, I think there's also the bar has been raised quite mm-hmm. high. Uh, there's just so much. I mean, back 20 years ago, you could count on your hands how many people were doing movie theaters or whatever. So the bar being raised so high, I think there's an intimidation level at certain points. I sort of see, you know, you bring a mock to a a, a meeting and somebody says, my God, I could never build something like that. Or, you know, we've got some star people in our, in our log, Jason Alleman, who I think, you know, him, JK Brickworks, (laughs) he's a Mm -hmm. star. He's in our, he's in our club. I mean, it's pretty hard to beat him. We have Michael Gale, who is an incredible train builder and does fantastic train and, and electronics works. So they, they're both responsible for the FX brick. They're in our lug. This is not easy to walk into a lug meeting, see these incredible mocks and say, oh, my little, you know, my little movie theater or whatever. So I think there's there's that. You have to be very careful about not intimidating people and getting them to feel comfortable to go beyond the building instructions to creating and mocking. Um, I, I even see it on, you know, the Facebook groups are becoming way more popular. Instagram also, where people are showing off, they've built a set and they're very proud of the fact that they've built a set. 
Um, and, you know, if it gave you joy, great. And if you had a good time doing it and it got you into the hobby, great. But really take that little extra step and pull it apart and build something of your own. And this is what I'd like to see more of. The more making. I, I'm a maker and I've always been a maker. And that's what appeals to me about the Lego is that you, I mean, I don't really build the sets, but I, I just want to look at the pieces and say, what could I do with this? And I'm hoping more people, as they get into the hobby, become makers as opposed to builders and instruction followers. I, I relate to that a lot because I'm also a maker. I, I love, you know, I love the Lego sets. They do a great job with a lot of the sets. You know, some aren't great, but that's just normal. That You can't hit the mark every time. And uh, everybody gets that level of like, oh, I think this is an amazing build that I've done. And then they see somebody else's and they put themselves down because you, they think, oh, that's way better. I couldn't do that. But uh, everybody started somewhere. It's not like oh everybody started as being an expert builder. Well, I've had a, a good discussion with a very good Lego friend, a very good builder. And her first mock was fantastic. But she took her time in acquiring all the bricks she needed to create uh -huh. a very large scale model of her Victorian home. I, on the other hand, started with a, a tin, a bin of a thousand multi-bricks, red, green, yellow, and blue. So my first mock was the, the, the most horrific looking striped <laughs> house. So the, the, the philosophical discussion was, if I had been given every brick in the world and started out with my first mock, would it have been a better quality uh, you know, if I'd indulged in planning it out, and I didn't. I mean, I just picked up a box of bricks and and started building. So it, it's crap. But I, I look at it now. I still have these photos, and um, I haven't even put them on Flickr because I mean, they're from 2000 and they're so bad. But I think everybody has got perhaps a bad mock or two in their <laughs> in their stable. But you have to look at oh, you yeah. know come well 20 years. I should hope I've improved a bit, but. Um, oh, well, just having the the collection to go from a, a thousand to the, the size of my collection now, that's a different story. And I don't even have, my partner can't believe I don't have enough Lego to complete certain builds. <laughs> and of course I need more. I need a thousand of these and I don't have a thousand. So I think uh, we all start in the small scale, but I think giving yourself the permission and the freedom to to move on and up if you can, and it's not for everybody. Some people are going to stay builders and collectors, and that's fine. If they get their, that's what they get from the hobby, then that's fine. But I really would like to see a lot more people trying something else. It's, it's the point of the brick, as far as I'm concerned. It's such an open-ended source of material that you just, you, you, you can't. And I do know builders who build the sets and put them on the shelf, and they're happy. They're, this is what they wanted from the hobby certainly wouldn't have satisfied me but that's that's fine for them it's funny to think about you know the beginning because now as you brought up like the beginning of your designing where you're like a thousand bricks of all multicolors, just kind of going at it as as you will with no real plan i think about like i did the same thing i had i loved like just making vehicles that had like a laser in it so i used like from rock raiders a laser be a laser then using treads to make the tr uh, a track um and i still have photos of it and you know i maybe you know confidence or um the confidence to post it on my instagram here soon but uh i think 
you're right with the brick. I mean, having two bricks and you connect them together, you've already created something. Doesn't have to be crazy, but you you had you took the initiative to build, um, which is is the start. It's the starting point, the building block, literally, of uh, making sure that you're not just you know following the instructions. You you started to create something. I think it takes a lot of guts. I think it takes a lot of um, I can do this, and and we're as adults we see well. Kids don't have any any problem with with this I, I you know I watched the kids build in my classroom and I had a Lego club for the older kids and they have no sense of what's right and wrong in Lego and what you can and can't do and so uh, we lose that inner kid we lose that whole we impose upon ourselves as adults it's got to be perfect from day one and, and I'm a perfectionist in some ways when it comes to building so I, I'm I've got to be satisfied aesthetically it's got to look the way I wanted it to look. And if not, I go back and I'm not afraid to undo. I think that we have to learn from our mistakes. I think that's part of the joy of the making is that you get to take it apart. It's not glued. It's not nailed together. I, I just simply takes hours sometimes to fix that little mistake, but <laughs> it, it's worth it when you see in the end. But I think having a vision in your head and, and uh, you know, people ask, where do you start? And I say, well, if, depending on what you want to build, you just look at a lot of photos on the internet. We didn't have that 20 years ago. or It wasn't mm -hmm. there for us as fodder to, to get going. There's so much out there now. And, you know, I know some people are less visual than others, so it's a little bit more challenging. But um, you just need to, to grab the blocks by the studs and <laughs> throw them together. <laughs> and... I will say having the internet is great, but it also can be like such a hindrance because you get an oversaturation of ideas. I mean, you can ask my wife, there are lists scattered <laughs> around in notebooks on sticky notes. Like, Oh, like it always starts with Lego. And then like seven words of like what I want to build. Have I, have oh, I done it? Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, time is always the issue. I have a long, long list and I actually, mine is on a spreadsheet and I actually add the year that I got the idea. And I mean, there is stuff from 12, 14 years ago that I still haven't tackled. And, you know, because new ideas are always coming up and, and I'm not daunted by that. Yeah, it's on the list. Yeah, it would be nice to get, you know, to get to it eventually. Or somebody else did it and did a very fine job. So then I have no desire to try and make a build a better mousetrap or something like that. Not necessarily. For instance, I did Anne of Green Gables. I don't know if you're familiar with that book, but um, very popular uh, classic children's literature here in Canada that's also international. And Anne of Green Gables has been built quite a few times. It's a classic white clabbered house with dark green trim. And it's a museum in Prince Edward Island in the Maritimes here. And it's been done a few times in Lego, but I didn't care. I built it for our 150th um, birthday celebration of Canada. And I wanted to do it in a certain amount of detail, which I hadn't seen before. So I went ahead and did it. But for instance, I've seen enough of Venice's that are have been really well done that I'm not going to do Venice probably. But uh, so you, you get put off some of your ideas and the other ideas, they, they churn and give you other ideas. So um you know, I do chess. I've done two chess games and I've got other ideas for chess games. So I'm going to probably hopefully expand that theme. And I do bookends and I've got ideas for bookends. So 
one idea begets another or another three or another 10 ideas and you just don't mm -hmm. have the time to, to get to them all. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's really, I think a great uh, thing to have that though, because it's, it, if you're creating something now, then it, it, you build on that creation to make more creations and it's a cascading effect. It's constant because you have that, uh, imagination is so, so engaged in this process. Oh, you can't undervalue an imagination. Oh my God. I mean, I keep telling people, go find your imagination. If you haven't got one, you got to dig it out because it's in there. I mean, just some people have suppressed it. I think as an adult, it's not something that we encourage enough, you know, the whole way. And the question of play. And I, I usually rarely ever say that I play with Lego. I always say I build with Lego for whatever reason. Um, I want the aspect of creating, creating, making the creativity to come out. Uh, playing is great. If you want to take your aircraft and swish it around, super. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. do that. Probably why I don't have mini figs and uh, I don't have vehicles. I'm more into the, the, the form and the function and the creative, artistic, whatever. But um, do what, whatever you, you know, whatever you want. Exactly, and that gives so many people the ability to, you know, the bricks are all square, but it doesn't mean your 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 thing has to be square. I was no. going to say also, like considering at the internet, you know, there's the oversaturation, but then there's the nice side of having like a digital designer. Um, it, it's kind of broken down the barrier to entry where, oh, I need to have all these bricks to build something. Not anymore. You can do it no. online. Yeah, a lot of people enjoy that. I mean, I I need the tactile. I need, uh, I mean, I used LDD. I, I worked on the Lego Universe game and I used LDD extensively and I built some pretty large structures and they took a lot of hours and work and there was a certain satisfaction in seeing it in any, of course, LDD had at the time, uh, any, any brick, any color, which is also very satisfying, but I still missed the tactile of, making it come together and and where i start a building might be the staircase is the central focus of this and i like the way this is coming together and i miss that on screen i, I don't get that satisfaction of of seeing it rise from the pile of plates on the table i like for personally I use digital because I don't have access to all my bricks. Um, I mean, we st I still have boxes and I have bins. And then, of course, they're at my family home. But like we've just purchased our first home. And I'm my goal is to really build a studio to get those bricks in bin out of the bins into organizers so I can use them to uh, actually get my hands on. Um, but I, I still love having the digital designer because wherever I am, I'm, we're traveling uh, per. Uh, previous to COVID, I would bring my laptop and break out stud IO and just start thinking up an idea and start building. Oh, it's, it's definitely opened a lot of doors for a lot of people who are, have been limited financially or spatially that, that they can't put all their bricks wherever they are. I would agree with you, but I travel a lot and I don't get the satisfaction of, I don't take out the, the laptop and start uh, designing. It's not, um, I would use LD, and I have used LDD, and I have played with Studio a bit, um, and I used to use MLCAD uh, to document a build, perhaps afterwards. But mm -hmm. I would never, I would rarely start using it as the starting point. I want to sit with my stuff, so that means about four months of the year I'm not building, and that's a that's a tough 
I would, I would say it's a tough call, but I don't get the satisfaction from the digital experience. So I just make do uh, not doing it or I buy Lego where I am. Um, this past uh, winter, we were in um, uh, our, our winter vac vacation place and dots came out. So that's very, very portable. I bought a ton of dots so that I could actually build in my little apartment and have a satisfaction of doing something aesthetically patterning and whatever all i needed was a mm -hmm. white base plate and a lot of dots so that was uh turned out to be a good travel kit but not quite the same thing as having your bricks all around you and i'm fortunate to have a building room uh, a, i call it a studio and everything's at my fingertips and a little roll away in the chair but i understand people who are moving or in temporary situations really do crave you know that building experience oh yeah and it it uh it's always harder, you know, financially to do that, but I, and having that barrier to entry lowered does give people, you know, maybe that confidence to do something and build, uh, like a lot of builds I see inspire me to, you know, do the same. There's, there's a great, um, crystal an amethyst stone that I want to do as like a, um, an entry piece in our home. Someone already did it. Um, but I'm just taking that as an example. It, I, I think that people should look at this as more of, you know, a challenge to do their own instead of be intimidated to not do anything. I think, yeah, the intimidation factor and the more and more that we have younger people joining the community and wowing us right out of the gate, like your first mock, your second mock was stunning, then that that creates a danger of people who are coming back into the hobby or joining it for the first time ever. But I think we have to get over that. That's something you have to just say, yeah, this is this is going to give me hours of joy. I got to get into this. I'm, I'm going to play with this and see what I can take, where I can take it. Yeah, definitely. Especially if yeah. you've got an idea in mind. Oh, yeah. You just kind of have to run with it. Don't don't let anyone or anything you see or hear like intimidates you. Just stop. Just kind of do it. Just go. Yep, definitely. So we talked about your history and coming into Lego, but you, I mean, as you said, you've been a part of this community for a while and you've worked with Lego and other um, kind of ventures into the world. Can you talk about some of those such as like, you know, the ideas book? I know I have it. I, it's on my shelf. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to have to look for your mock now or your sig fig that you built. Uh <laughs> It's hard to find in the book. So, yeah, in 2011, I was um, approached by DK Books in conjunction with Lego to do a chapter called Town and uh, Town and Country, I believe it was, because it was about uh, building houses and furniture. And I did. Uh, so houses and furniture at the time was not difficult for me, but they also asked for bridges and some micro buildings and some barn buildings, train stations. So that was out of my comfort zone, and I was only given six weeks to do this, and I built about 40, I think it was 40 models, and shipped them off to the UK. So that was um, a really good challenge. I was still working full-time at, at, at that point, and I had to come home every evening and work, and every weekend put every hour into it to get this done. But uh, given a timeline, I function better, um, given a deadline where I've got to get this shipped out, and that worked well. Then um, they were telling me what to build, which I've never had that before, where I had to put together some farm buildings. But it came together fairly well, although I do believe I overbuilt for the book. They had said for nine-year-olds, and I'm not very good at, I, I don't want to say dummying down, but simplifying my builds 
So I think my detail level was probably beyond what they had expected for the book. But in the end, the book turned out to be very popular with AFOLs. And so that uh, perhaps, I don't know, that chapter was a little bit more advanced than the others in terms of detail level. Um, no studs showing as much as possible. But I mean, I make furniture with no studs showing. So uh, I'm not sure they got what they wanted, but it was a good experience. <laughs> and um, it certainly made, I guess, my name a little bit more popular among nine-year-old girls and boys. <laughs> and it's uh, it's funny you say, because it is for AFOLs, but, and Lego's now looking at making more AFOL books because the, the community has become so mainstream especially as they've ventured into the pop culture world more so than ever in the past like four or five years definitely going uh, i mean you see it with them they started with the ultimate series the, the the collector series the the architecture and now the books i think that they've for i don't know why it took them this long we've been around for 20 years and for so many years you know we've been helping them i would have to say promote the brick mm -hmm. an awful lot and uh, certainly while there are a lot of kids attending our shows i would have to say that the what we see is a lot more adults getting into it after they've been to a show so the um, the benefits of us promoting the brick i pr they're pretty strong although they would deny that for a long while i think but yes i would agree that uh they they are beginning to see the the value of the a fall in the community. I think they definitely are seeing it in their pocketbooks. As you know, the Millennium Falcon when it re when it was re released this uh, past year, everyone was like, "Oh my gosh, that's amazing!" That's like, uh, and people shelled out money for it. They weren't they weren't ready um, for the amount of people that were interested. And you're right, they they kind of just put the a falls in the corner and like oh this is just for kids and we want to promote for kids but i mean i know i continue i'm 28 and i continue to love bricks and i know other people that are um one of our listeners when i first started the podcast like hi i just bought my first set the lego friends tv show set it's awesome and i can't wait to you know start designing my own um and Excellent. she was yeah. in her I, I think in her late 20s or 30s it's great to to hear people say that too yeah no i mean we're getting all kinds of i mean i am in my 60s and uh so this is not i'm not the typical a fall i know this and and i don't buy sets per se i buy piece parts mm -hmm. and so packs. Mm -hmm. so no matter what they build no matter what sets they're coming out i'm not looking at them for um the d design of the actual set i'm looking for the parts and the colors that i need and want to build what i want but if they're getting a whole new generation of people who never thought about investing in lego or getting into lego then they're they're doing the right thing they're moving in the right direction because i mean the first millennium falcon is already how many years ago that a whole group of people didn't know or see and so therefore every every 10 years you're going to get a new group of a subset of people who are going to be buying. Right. And I, it came out in 2008. So it took 10 years for it to come out again, but they introduced it into a market that they were starting to cater towards, you know, adult fans. So like the re-release, you know, 
for us, like for me personally, when they re-release a set that's been made like six times, I'm like, okay, I think you're good. I think, I think yeah. you got it. <laughs> but well, then they're, they're promoting sure. it. Yeah. Well, they're trying to make sure they don't miss anyone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think they've covered it for like Luke's uh, land speeder. Um, it's good. But, yeah. <laughs> but it's almost like a common joke now. And that's uh, what's, what's great about having the Lego community. And you've seen it grow that it's not just about the builds anymore, but it's about the culture where we have people now like the walking on Legos, Lego brick challenge or uh, t-shirts made and the, the memes that come from just uh, having Lego figures or now um, the Lego movies like that, that made it a huge jump in, in culture. Oh, definitely. I mean, got more young children into it, got more older people into it. Definitely. I mean, I think that anything that harkens back to your childhood becomes nostalgic. And you say, oh, my God, yeah, I remember really playing hours with Lego and look in the movie. And, oh, my God, I should buy a set and do something and find out, you know, and then discover how much you really, really spent hours doing something so pleasurable. And, of course, now they're talking about that whole anxiety, mental health promoting Lego to give you something to de-stress. And, and so they're really, they're hitting a lot of, I believe, the fan um, wide, much more widely than, than they ever used to. I think that Lego is adapt, starting to adapt well. I think that they were stuck in their old ways for a little bit, but now realizing where a good market is. And you're right, like talking about anxiety and stress, it, mental health is such a big discussion now in our in modern day culture that especially and now in the times that we live in, it's the biggest thing I hear um, like people say, ah, oh, I'm so stressed. And like I'll hear people say, go, go get a Lego. You know, it's something to do and then you enjoy it. So the, they're kind of leaning into what their strengths are. Fin they're finally realizing. Yeah, no, I think that. um uh, especially with COVID, this it, it got hot. It's like you couldn't find a puzzle on Amazon. Now you're you're got people buying Lego, and they're going to hunker down for the winter with good Lego sets to keep them busy. You hope, and that will help to stave off a lot of the problems that are going to come up with mm -hmm. if this continues. I think um, definitely they benefited from the situation. In I don't think they, it was intentional. They just happened to have the right toy the right game at the right time and that that will pay off really well and they're they're adapting as best as they can with what's coming uh going to come even further but um definitely it's changed uh i, I mean i'm watching just watching them try to adapt as they went into the online you know the game platforms trying to you know now they've got mario brothers and that's another whole generation of people and kids that are going to go uh, join the family, the Lego family, because that's something that, that speaks to them. Yes. It's, it's a partnership of two nostalgic things. And for the adult community that like grew up with an NES, they're like, Oh my gosh, this is so cool. Like I can now have my NES next to a Lego NES. Um, and oh, you know, I was a little, cute. Oh Yeah. I was a little against the Lego Digi figure Mario and like the playable thing because I'm just like, that just doesn't seem right. But when you think about it, you're interacting in the physical world as Lego does with the digital world, which is Nintendo. And kids love 
both things. So they blended it well. Yeah, and and I mean the segue of getting them to actually buy a, a Mario set, and then perhaps oh, okay, well let's look at the, you know, the city sets, or let's look at this. Just getting them to the next theme over, you know, if it's a start to get into to Mario, but then pulls them into the next theme over, and then they start collecting that or want to expand. That that's always a good move, as I'm concerned. Oh yeah, and it's kind of like uh, the showroom floor you see something in the window drags you in but then you buy six things instead of just the one thing you saw in the window i came in for this and left with that yes i would agree yes <laughs> so in, in your time of like seeing the uh, progression um now that like you know brick set is 20 years old how do you think the community's done do you think that it's adapted well uh to the times and um made a stronger, uh, more united Lego community? Uh, I've seen Division and I've seen coming together. I mean, Division, uh, Lugnet, in, it was a place to be all together in one place. And then, of course, as all popular things do, it crashed and burned, but uh, no longer, <coughs> excuse me, a very valid place to be. It's still alive, but it's not, and it's a very good archive place for information. But um I think that the community will always, and as younger people come in and, and older people go or vice versa, uh, it will always be changing. Nothing is static and staying the same. 20 years for for Brickset to be out there and be valid is really commendable in this day and age of people wanting new things every two minutes. So it's, um, I think that people are finding comfort in a lot of what stays the same and then making it change and adapt a little bit but not too much it hasn't become uncomfortably different it's still the same old lego studs and tubes that we put together and snap and get that satisfying click so i think that um lego is trying to move with the times sometimes they've misstepped taking it to to this place when it you know didn't perform as well as they hoped and expected it's still a, a company that needs to make money um, but I think overall, yes, they've done quite well. I think that they're starting to read and listen more. Um, I attend Scareback as, as much as I can at the Danish Lego event that's the closest to Billund. And Lego is always there listening to the A-Falls and talking to them to see what the pulse is like and get a feel. It's over a thousand A-Falls show up and they, they talk to you and see what you think should be happening. They don't necessarily always listen, but they're certainly ready to listen. And I don't know very many other, many very, very many other country, companies who are doing that, listening to their fan base mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as much as Lego is listening to their fan base and then responding. So um, kudos to them for, for doing what they do do. There's always going to be the haters and the people who think they're not doing enough because they haven't created the actual set that you wanted, but that's not the way it works. I'm just, right. as I said, couldn't care less what they yeah. make as long as it's got something in it that I want to buy because that'll give me the pieces that I I want. I mean, I do mm -hmm. um, I do buy many of the, I buy most of the modulars and the Christmas villages because my mother became an AFOL at the age of 80. And these are the wow. two themes. I got her into it. It turned out to be an excellent move. And... Uh, she loved those two and she would 
I bought them so that she could build them and then I would take them home and take them apart and put them in my collection. But no, she wanted to display them actually in the living room, which is not quite what I was expecting, but it turned out to be quite fun. <laughs> and she became a huge fan. It couldn't wait for me to bring the next set in. So she passed uh, four years ago. And as a result, this is my tribute to her. I buy the modulars and build them or I buy the Christmas sets and build them. I take them apart almost mm. right after, but... The joy of building reminds me of the days we'd spent together Legoing. And um, I think that that's uh, the fact that they're giving us more of appealing to adults. And um, there's a lot more they could be doing for adults, probably. Uh, but they still have to make a dime and or a couple of dimes. And they have to appeal to the kids, too. So I can't see them letting go of one to appease the other ones a lot more they are still a child's toy and the market is for children so mm -hmm. but i'm happy with whatever they produce I, I don't care i don't look at the the quality of the lego build or whatever it's more like have you got you got my more dark red have you got more, more dark <laughs> oh yeah and it's it's fun because people are like oh you bought that set are you excited to build it no, not really, because I'm just getting this. I'm just getting the pieces. I need this for this yeah. build that I'm doing. <laughs> Are you looking forward to any big builds here in the future? Big uh, mock building, you mean? Yes. Uh, well, the list is very, very long, and um, <laughs> uh, I have um, I, I have quite a few things that are sculpturally based uh, architecturally, sculpturally based that are that would make a big build. My biggest problem is that I like to, you know, normally I would be heading to Denmark in September uh, and uh, England STEAM was the second event that we were going to be attending this fall right after. So I would have to build something that would travel with me, which is a big, a very big challenge. Mm -hmm. So I was going to be building something that would have been a little bit lighter in the suitcase. Uh, I have shipped over there, but it becomes extremely expensive. But now that that's off, I can take that off the table and build something much bigger. I tend not to think in terms of size. It's more like, what am I going to build? And then sometimes I'm not even aware of the size it's going to turn out. My houses, I have a general idea of scale and I know something. So I'm not quite sure how big the footprint is going to end up being and how far I go with the landscaping, et cetera. So I really don't know the size of a build until it's done. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, uh, chess sets are usually 32 by 32. I could probably change the scale on that. Um, bookends usually end up being 32 by 64 studs. So I, I don't um, I don't really have in mind the next build. I have to look at what, what I'm finishing up um, something that I created last year, but I wasn't satisfied with the water. So now I'm redoing the water, and that's turning out to be a very tedious trying to come up with a novel um, method for water. There's only so many ways that I can do it with what I have. And, and so mm -hmm. it means acquiring more brick. But um, no, I don't have anything right at the moment could tell you what, what my next build will be. Look at the list, see what inspires me, or just keep on reading blogs and find something brand new. It's a good method. Because <laughs> as you, I mean, as you continue to add to the list, uh, if you make a priority list, you'll start with one and you're like, well, actually the one like four down is more so what I'm into. It, it always changes, especially because, you know, you see something in pop culture that you may think, or maybe you've traveled and saw a building that just inspired you. Um, 
So adapting is, I think, the hardest thing when you're a creator or an artist because you're so, there's so many. <laughs> there's well, just so many things to do. Yes, no, and time can be your enemy. And certainly, mm -hmm. uh, but as I, I mentioned at the beginning, I, when I retired, I thought I would be building way more. But time right. turned out to be um, something that I did need. The lack of time or the, the urgency, the deadline creed, and plus the stress of working. When I came home, I needed that outlet. Now I don't have that and I don't spend as much time in my building room building as I, sh I would like to be or should be. And, mm -hmm. and it's my choice. I, I just choose to spend a beautiful day outside instead. And um, so I'm building less. I'm producing a lot less. I'm not happy with that. That's my own choice or my own um, option to, to go that route. But every now and then I get inspired and then I come up and have a building frenzy and I'm, you know, work on it and then I let it go and don't come back to it. Whereas Prior, when I was working, I had something on the table all the time. I was on the go. So I don't know what happened or, you know, don't retire. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the right answer is, but but um, I would probably prefer to be a little bit more productive. And that's mm -hmm. just on me. Just uh, yeah. And it's not that there's a lack of ideas. Certainly that is not the problem. It, it's uh, the lack of crunch time. If you had the the crunch time, as you were saying, the the limited amount of time, it, it forces you to do more at that. Well, point. yeah, and I do like a deadline. I have to admit that I and I also find um, I I'm more creative with the deadline. I can sit here and say, okay, I have a show in four months. I have all my Lego around me, and I'm staring at it, and I got no ideas zinging. There's nothing coming at me saying, okay, this would be really cool, or this would be really uh, something that you want to get on to and I can sit here until a month and a half before the build or even a week and a half before the build and then the ideas just keep zinging and and you're you're even changing something because you got the new idea while you were in the middle of the build and that means you have to dismantle more than half of the build so I do find that time is um, a, an enemy but also a, a huge factor in terms of the the idea process for me everybody's different <laughs> right right and it's it's funny because i can i can hear bricks kind of in the background on the table there um <laughs> sorry i'm i'm water uh, greebling <laughs> uh, no no it's great i i think you know you're engaging not only your mind in in like talking with me but you're you're continuing to do that as well as building and you know i uh i actually only had one more question for you so i can let you get to the get to that greebling uh <laughs> um how do you think, in your lifetime with Lego, how do you think Lego has really impacted you? Oh, it's changed my world quite significantly. As I said, I wasn't a joiner. I, I'm pretty much a stay-at-home if I'm not traveling. Uh, I have a, I had a lot of hobbies, uh, different hobbies that kept me busy. And um, But to join, first of all, shocked my family that I would join anything because that was not me. Uh, to join a group of strangers, that was definitely not me. And uh, But now um, I've made friends worldwide and we travel to visit them and go to quite a variety of events or different places, I should say. So there's there's a, an instant door opener with Lego, like-minded people. There's something that just brings you together. So that's a huge change to our 
and I say our because my husband travels with me and while he can't stand Lego and doesn't touch it, he likes the social aspects of getting together with people during cons and events and then, you know, visiting the friends we've been invited to visit. Um, mm-hmm. So everything, I look at everything now through a Lego eye. I'm traveling, I'm driving around my city, I'm looking at houses and buildings and design ideas pop up and I take photos or I make a quick sketch in the car because, not not me driving, Um because that's going to influence a bill perhaps down the road tomorrow or in two years or whatever. So there's a different, I always, I think I always had that kind of eye, but I never realized that I could actually in, incorporate it into uh, the everyday and, and take it to make something concrete. Uh, I think that it's made me much more of a maker than I ever was. There's a creativity level here that you've got a constricted, well, I put this criteria on myself. I don't cut paint glue. So I only have a very, very fixed set of material um, that I use to create something, you know, the square brick into the round, whatever. So there's a a different level of, of maker, a different level of creativity. And that that's very important for me. I've, I think I've stretched a little bit or a lot. In the 20 years I've been building, if I look at my 20-year-old mocks, I think I've stretched an awful lot. But um, huge, huge change in my life. And it, it, I don't think there's a day that goes by that there's not some kind of Lego involved. Of course, you know, you just, my Facebook feed is full of it. I'm looking at what other people are making or um, connecting with people that I've met throughout the community. So huge, huge difference. For uh, people who are reluctant to join the AFOL community, and I understand mm-hmm. that there there's a reluctance. I don't I don't not understand that. Uh, that's quite significant for a lot of people. It can be very beneficial. It can be very very beneficial. It's great to hear, and especially understanding that you know Lego doesn't just change you and give you that ability to create, but it it helps helps you grow, adapt. You know, find and uh, become friends with people and learn from others and continue to, as you said, you're, you're driving around, you're, you're looking at the world and you know, you're not ignoring it or head in your phone. You're, you're thinking about how can I personify this in art in a brick and with all the designs out there, I, there's always more there. Nobody's ever built everything in the world. There's, there's no possible way. So don't for anyone listening, don't stop yourself. Make sure you engage and and just do it. Just just get to building in some way. Um, and I think hopefully uh, at your uh, once I reach your age, it'll be I'll be the same way. I'll be traveling to Biland uh, all the time and uh, going to these uh, lugs and just you know continuing to engage and and get to know the community even more so than I have in my, you know, my time with the AFL community. Definitely. I mean, if that's the kind of thing you want to do, I think that there, the opportunities right. are incredible out there. If you can do it, it's uh, well worth it. Uh, a lot of people, you know, find it to be very um, positive experience. I think that there are people who probably that's not them and don't feel you have to do it, but I, I would, say that if you're thinking about getting involved in a community, give it a try because you never know what, I mean, I really didn't think this would be for me, but it turned out to be a perfect fit in the end. Right, right. Well, 
Deborah, I just want to say thank you again for coming on to the podcast. This was an awesome discussion. I learned, you know, so much. I and I I I really appreciate all the work you've done in the Lego community, you know, supporting and being a part of uh, you know, broadening the AFL community to more and more people. Uh, I want everyone to, you know, go check out her work. Um, she's all her major work is on Flickr at Deborah uh, Higdon, and then on Instagram, you've got buildings underscore blocked with just block and a D. Uh, of course, I'm going to link all of these in the show notes, so please don't hesitate to go check it out. Um, but Deborah, thank you again for taking the time today to talk uh, on the podcast, and um, you've you've really inspired, hopefully, a lot of people to you know get out there and, and keep building something, building whatever they see. Yeah, that's good to hear. Thank you very much for having me, Garrett. Nice chatting. I just want to say that was a great interview with Deborah. She definitely is a person that I look up to in this community for her drive to, you know, build what she wanted to build and build a community around the Lego aspect and just continue for a lifetime of enjoyment and continue in building as she was building at the end there. And it, it definitely is a the holiday season is just around the corner, and as we get into a rougher season with the virus, uh, a lot of people are going to be grabbing up a lot of Lego sets, and this is the time to really enjoy it. Keep that creativity going, definitely through these winter months, and I know it's going to get harder to be isolated. Um, I just want to say thank you again for all those who listened, and of course, thanks to, to all the people that I get to interview. It's always fun. I learn new things constantly, and I hope you're doing the same. Please, if you have any questions uh, or comments about the podcast, let me know. If you did like it, subscribe and uh, tell your friends. Get the word out. You know, Lego isn't just for the AFOLs in the community. Everybody can become an AFOL, uh, and you can definitely broaden your horizons, keep that creativity and imagination going. So I'll leave you as I always do. Get creative, get out there, and go build something. <laughs> <laughs>